Welcome to the first edition of the Line in the Sand podcast. My name's Hamish. I'm an Essendon fan. I've been an Essendon fan since I was three years old. And my dad told me he, I could support whoever I want. But if I ever want to go to a football game with him again, I'm going to have to be an Essendon supporter. Uh, I've been supporting them through highs and lows for the last 35 years. Um, the early part of my life was full of premierships and premiership and finals glory. Unfortunately, it's been well over 6,000 days since Essendon last won a final, let alone making it to the big dance on the last Saturday in September. That's okay. We keep going. We keep fighting strong. Uh, joining me this evening is Amos. Amos, you want to introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, good afternoon, all. Good evening. Uh, as Hamish said, my name is Amos. I'm a Hawthorne supporter. So Hamish's little stat about the 6,000 days is particularly delightful. Um, I've been a Hawthorne supporter since I was five. I had uh, my two older brothers uh, offering all sorts of inducements to follow Richmond and Carlton back in the day. Uh, but I think it was about the 87 qualifying final where we thumped Sydney, um, where uh, the brown and gold took my heart for some reason. And I've, I've never looked back. been very fortunate uh, to support a team that has won numerous flags, obviously. Uh, also very fortunate that the team is still around, given the uh, merger struggles in the mid 90s um which uh was a bit uh, strange to go through as a teenager thinking all of a sudden i'm going to be barracking for the same team as my dad who's a melbourne supporter um so yeah but my early days of football were spent uh uh watching richmond with my older brother getting pumped by geelong and adelaide i can remember vividly every time we uh went to geelong and richmond gary ablett senior seemed to kick 15 goals or so uh and trudging out to waverley to watch the hawks and um, it was great times. Me and a couple of mates when we were teenagers spent every second weekend out there, I reckon. And despite Hawthorne not doing too well through that time, uh, it was just good times, good fun. So, yeah. And now, and now we're both approaching middle age, <laughs> uh, middle age, thankfully married to women that support the same teams that we do, but perhaps not quite as obsessed as uh, we are about football, given that they're not starting a podcast, eh? Yeah, correct. And uh, absolutely very lucky. I would find it very difficult to go to the football with uh, a wife who didn't support Hawthorne, I think. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, brainwashed our kids as well, I'm sure. So, Yes, Angus does have a an Essendon jumper and doesn't have a choice either. Like, I wasn't really given much of a choice when I no, started paying him. That's right. I, I think, uh, like, like your dad, Hamish, the only stipulation from my dad was uh, if you barrack for Collingwood, you can just keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're no longer my son if you barrack for Collingwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's right. fair. Yeah. I, I, I think I'd have the same conversation with Angus if that happened. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, given we're in 2021, my dad grew up in the era of the 50s and 60s and uh, his year, whilst if they win the premiership in a couple of weeks, will be absolutely sensational. It'll always have an asterisk because they didn't beat Collingwood during the year and you can't quite stomach that. Fair enough. <laughs> right. Now, people might think it's odd that we're starting our podcast with the first episode at the end of the football season, um, but we've just come through a very exciting uh, preliminary final weekend. I think one of the results was probably to be expected. The other game... I think would be a bit of a shock to most football fans, not necessarily the end result, but how dominating the end result was in the second preliminary final of the weekend. I don't think anyone expected a 10 goal win to the Bulldogs as well as a, but I, I think the Melbourne result was a little bit less shocking for most people. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, 
in our heart of hearts, we probably expected Melbourne to win by six, five or six goals going away in the end. Uh, and I probably expected Port Adelaide to do the same thing, to yeah. be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that the Bulldogs are up by six goals at quarter time or, or more, mm-hmm. uh, and then went on to win by was it 70 odd points or something mm-hmm. in the end. I don't think anybody saw that coming at all. So um, yeah. I tried to go back and have a look at the, the, uh, the odds for the over 39 halves for, for the Bulldogs, but uh, mm-hmm. couldn't get there, but uh, it would have paid out something astronomical, I'm sure. Yes, I don't. I don't think that was the expected result of the weekend. No, no. So, mm. so well, let's start with the um, Melbourne Geelong game. What what's, what's some of the things of note for you from that game? Uh, I think um, probably on the positive side, obviously it's all Melbourne. Uh, yeah, Max Gorn played the game of his life. Um, I don't think he could play a better game than that. Mm. Dominated in the ruck. Although Stanley for Geelong was pretty good, um, but Max Gorn certainly got on top. And then kicking four goals in a 10-minute period in the third quarter uh, to finish with five. Uh, and the way you keep the goals too. You know, two snaps, one grab out of the ruck and just threw it on the boot. One streaming in for 55, a la Harry Madden from 1993 or whenever that was. Um, you know, he just played an amazing game. And then, uh, yeah, the rest of their midfield group just absolutely smashed, took Geelong to the cleanest. Um, I, every every part of the field. Um... Yeah. They, they were dominating. Um, I suppose the only concern for them out of the game, though, is the in, the potential injury to Stephen May and whether he comes through that. I, that was probably the biggest surprise for me, them bringing him back on the way that they did, given that there is yeah. a break this week. I, I agree. Um, but I think it happened at a part of the game where you're still not quite... You're not over the line. And they're only uh, four, five goals up a quarter time. It's quick, an easy mar- Not an easy margin to head back, but a margin that's still um, gettable. Mm. Uh, and then obviously I was surprised that he came back out after halftime I wonder if that if they hadn't have got those two goals just before halftime the Cats whether they would have put May back out there but um, I suppose the one thing I was also surprised at was that Melbourne's defence just seamlessly covered for him mm. um, even that period in the early in the second quarter when he was off the ground still getting assessed and things like that um, yeah didn't miss a beat at all so yeah, yeah. Give, given how Integrally, he has been to that defence throughout the year. You're right. He, they just they, they they could cover for him, and yeah. I suppose that was a surprise given they haven't had to cover for him all year. But suddenly, yeah. they were able to. Yeah, I think you know Jake Lever, Petty, Petty was great. Um, yeah, they just, and then they've just got a raft of people running off. You know, Christian Salem off the half back line. It all seems to drive through him where possible. Um, and then you know the coverage for the midfield. Um, Ed Langdon just goes goal square to goal square. He's a freak. Yeah. You just watch the top of your screen and mm. he'll be running and yeah. across the top of the screen at some point. So, mm. yeah. And, and But, I mean, you look at the players they've got. What, Oliver, Petrarca, like, there's superstars everywhere in that team. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, they're well-placed to, to take it out in two weeks' time. Mm. Um, you know, perhaps uh, with the Bulldogs winning so well, um that throws a few doubts and gets people up and about, but I just think Melbourne's game stands up brilliantly well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and looking at the other game, um, was it a fluke or did Port Adelaide choke or, or what do you think? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the great unknown, isn't it? Um, I don't think it was a fluke. I think if, you know, reading through the reports today and, and that you hear Melbourne and the Bulldogs occupied the top two positions or two of the top four positions for, 
16 of the 23 rounds. That probably suggests we've got the two best teams in the grand final. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure the Bulldogs lost the last three games of the year and didn't look great, but you know they also were covering a couple of injuries that the team had to get rebalanced for. Josh Bruce going out and, and a couple of others. So, um, and a couple of others coming back in, which takes a bit of time to get the balance back with Trelaw and Dunkley and things in the middle. So, um, I don't think it was a fluke. I think we've generally got the two best teams. I wonder, uh, you know, if the game was to be played this Saturday, whether the Bulldogs would run out of petrol, given they've been on the road for four mm-hmm. weeks and five states or whatever, whatever yeah. it is. Uh, and, you know, just scraping over the line against Brisbane, that's a pretty big emotional mm. toll. Um, but, yeah, they were certainly pretty pretty impressive on Saturday night. Yeah, so. I, I, I was surprised. I thought not because I disagree. Like, I, I agree with you. They were the um, – they probably are the best two teams. Um, but the Bulldogs in recent weeks haven't really been playing to how they were playing earlier in the season. And yeah. combine that with, as you said, the intense travel and even the um, – their treatment by the South Australian government and the, <laughs> lack laughable. Of, yeah, the lack of training opportunities. It was surprised. I suppose I, I'm not shocked they won. I'm shocked that they won by that much. Yeah. And yeah. I do, I do think genuinely that Port Adelaide choked. I do. If you, I, I can't think of one player on their team that played up to their potential or I, I can't think of one standout player. Everyone I think played below their potential on. Yeah. I, I think I, I agree that they certainly, yeah, I think the first quarter was a choke and it mm. steamrolled from there. You know, to be so far down at quarter time on your home deck with a week's rest, sleeping in your own bed for two weeks prior. Uh, the support of the crowd. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, they bottled it big time. Mm. I think the, I, I, probably the only player I can think of from Port Adelaide who caught my eye on, on Saturday night was Riley Bonner. I thought mm. he was the only, I won't say he was a winner, but it's certainly the only player that sent oh, yeah, himself like, about. Uh, yeah. yeah, when I say yeah, I, he yeah. he probably did enough that you'd say his game was serviceable. But I, it's not the best game I've seen him play. But yeah, he at least yeah. he was trying all night, and you yeah. could see that he was putting the effort in where some of the other players just didn't. No, yeah, some of them at stage fright, yeah, whatever you want to call it, they just did not look like they were yeah. there at all. Um, yeah, and we've all seen finals like that, but. It's also generally, generally in those cases, been from a team that's finished so far out on top of the ladder, but and and in a qualifying final or something where mm. there's next week, you know, and potentially the team that gets down by eight goals at, at halftime in a qualifying final is just going to mm. say, well, we've got next week. Why are we going to waste uh, energy? Yeah. You know, think of the great Geelong teams from a decade or so ago. They won a couple of qualifying finals by twenty goals or something. So yeah, yeah. But I uh, don't expect to see that in a in a in two preludes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. On that, it's um there are some pretty exciting statistics around that um that um the results from the weekend for the nerds in us that look at those stats a lot. You want to <laughs> share a bit more about that, do you, Amos? Well, sure. So, uh, the two prelims the, since we've had two preliminary finals in from nineteen ninety four, so it's that 27, 28 seasons now. Mm-hmm. It's the highest aggregate margin of the two. Uh, 154 points. Uh, I think uh, you know, way back in 1995, I think it might have been, uh, is 151 points when um, uh, Carlton uh, dispatched North Melbourne and, and Geelong hammered Richmond out at Waverley Park. Mm-hmm. It was 151 points. But um, certainly uh, this week, 
I don't think anybody was expecting those two margins for sure. No. Um, and, you know, me, like most other footy fans, preliminary final week is the, it's the favourite week of the footy year because mm. you're guaranteed it almost seems like to get at least one game that's going to be, you know, close. Yeah, um, you and if it's mm. yeah, and and it, it might be that it's the last five minutes where a team gets a couple of goals and takes the margin out past you know twenty twenty five points, mm. but um, yeah, uh, both games were over by halfway through the second quarter, which is mm. yeah disappointing. But also, then you look at it and go, well, this is the two best teams mm. putting on putting on the show, putting on the clinic and doing what yeah. they should have, um, what their season suggested they would be able to do. That's right. And, and given the high scoring from both those teams in the preliminary finals, one can only hope we get a, a grand final like 89 where it was like 144 to 138. Mm. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen though. I'm predicting more like a yeah, 90 to 75. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, I don't know. It depends. I suppose it depends whether there's sort of any crowd favouritism over in Perth. It's sort of hard to see whether there will be or whether it's just going to be a general interest crowd because yeah. you don't know. Really know of any Melbourne or Bulldogs cohorts that would be over there. No, and, not apart from their standard bunch of expats yeah. or, mm. you know, I did note on Friday night though, that the, the crowd was pro Melbourne. Mm. Uh, but I wonder if that was partly because, you know, Geelong's been up there for so long, you yeah. know, 12 out of 18 mm. prelims. It's a pretty amazing record that they've got. That's mm. uh, that does lead to people getting sick of you as well. So, uh, so I'm wondering if a lot of the support was for Melbourne. And then I wonder, you know, given um, Melbourne have got this massive drought of 57 years, whether that will get most people supporting them, seeing as the Bulldogs had a one, yeah. you know, five years ago. Yeah, the, the it's time support, which the Bulldogs yeah. did get when they won, won it Absolutely. five years ago. There, there was a very much a case of, oh, we want the Bulldogs to win because it's been so long for them. And you yeah. have to think Melbourne's going to get some of that. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, they're getting my support purely from a, because my dad, yeah, mm. seeing him uh, uh, replicate uh, his efforts in 64 being at the grand final would be would be awesome. But mm. um, so I'm hoping they win. But uh, equally, I think uh, yeah, Bulldogs have won two flags in 100 years. So yeah. I can't begrudge them the success if they get it. So, exactly. Yeah. Where, so. to for, where to for the losers? Um, you know, like you said, Geelong's been in 12 of 18 preliminary finals so yeah. they've had a pretty impressive re- record in recent times but they haven't quite got over the line on that last weekend of the season as often as you'd expect for someone that's made 12 of 18 preliminary finals yeah it? correct the they're um, decades yeah exactly if you've been watching the uh season of australian survivor that wrapped up they're like george in mm. australian survivor the cockroach that just won't die <laughs> <laughs> just keep coming back um and it's very frustrating because, yeah, you know, um, as a Hawthorne supporter, I kind of don't want Geelong to be winning too much. No, exactly. Um, they always manage to beat us by a goal. So that's mm-hmm. always frustrating. But um, I think my biggest uh, thoughts on Geelong next year is they're contracted to a lot of these guys who are over 30. Mm-hmm. You know, they've signed Solwood for another year. They've got Smith uh, from Hawthorne for another year. Higgins as well, I think, is on a two-year deal. Uh I could be, I stand corrected there, but and then people like Hawkins, who's still playing amazing football, mm. uh, and that sort of thing. But the biggest thing for Geelong is if they all drop off the cliff at the same time, mm. which is a chance, uh, particularly if it's the middle rounds of the season 
where it gets a bit tough, yeah. say around 11 to 17, you know, in the depths of winter, uh, yeah, it could be pretty ugly pretty quickly. Uh, and that's the thing, when you get to that age, it can end very quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it could come for any of them. You know, Dangerfield is going to be 31 next year. Um, uh, yeah, even Menegola is 29. Mm. Duncan's 30. Um, the, the, they're the oldest yeah. list in the league by a long way. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, uh, and and because all those guys are contracted, you look at the Charlie Constables of the world and he sort of goes, well, when am I going to get a game? Mm. Uh, I've put in my 50 games in the twos. I'm racking up 30 touches every week. What more do I need to do? Yeah, it's true. He's a, Like you said, he's performing um, in the twos and he'd be a walk-up start in many other teams in the league. Oh, we'll put it this way. Uh, if, if he was offered to Hawthorne for a second-round draft pick, I'd be mm. like, you know what, a pick 24 or whatever we have, mm. uh, I'll, I'll take that for sure. So, uh, and there's a few others. You know, there's a couple of key defenders they've got who can't crack it for a game because Lockie Henderson's all of a sudden played two years out of his skin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does he go on again? Um, that sort of thing. So they've got it all over the ground. It's not just in one area. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, if all those guys drop off at the same time or pick up soft tissue injuries mm-hmm. and then can't get back. Yeah, but on the other side of the um, cheat, they've made the preliminary final again. And those players, even though they're in their 30s, have performed yeah. well enough to make a preliminary final. So, yeah. you know, if you're, and, the, if you're the footy operations manager and the coaching staff, it's hard not to roll the dice again and give it another go and see see if you can top up around them and yeah. take and, that and, next step. And to be fair, I think they have to. Yeah, they went all in this year, came up short, you know, and whether the illness thing is, is true or not, mm. uh, or if they're just trying to put a bit of a smoke haze over things, mm. uh, that's one thing. But... Um, mm. I, I think they have to go again, given that those contracts are still in place. Um, and I, I, I love it. I love the fact that they went balls out. Mm. Say, you know what, we're gonna, we're going for this premiership because yep. um, I, I would love most other clubs to be as ambitious. Mm. Um, and the fact that they've gone for it, good on them. Oh yeah, you have um, to. Um, yeah, ha- um, their, their footy list manager and their team yeah. to be. Yes, they haven't quite got across the line, but to be near the top that like two thirds of the last two decades. Yeah. They're doing something right. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm happy they didn't get that, but. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it, there's something delicious about them almost getting there and missing out, but still That's right. it's an, it's impressive from the list management perspective to yeah. keep, that, keep that list together as well. Like, cause a lot of those guys over 30 are genuine superstars as well Correct. that yeah. um, would be probably paid more money if they went to another team. So whether it's the lifestyle yeah. of Geelong or down the mm. coast, or whether it's um, just that level of success is keeping them together as a team as well. Like there's a lot, there is a lot to be impressed about uh, Geelong, even if we don't like Geelong. Yeah. hundred uh, percent agree with you. Um, and yeah, the one question I had is, you know, does this era for Geelong stack up against the four grand finals they lost between 89 and 95? Mm. Yeah. So from 20, uh, was it 2013 to, to now? I think they've made five preliminary finals yeah. in an 18-team competition uh, with drafts and salary caps that weren't adhered to as much back in the early 90s, yeah. shall we say? Yeah, there was a uh, lot more brown paper bag games yeah. back then. Mm. 100%. So, um, you know, does this Geelong team stack up against those great teams that just didn't get it done on grand final day mm. in that era? Yeah, because you look at some of the players back in those times, Ablett, Couch, Bairstow, Stoneham, Hocking, 
uh, and the list goes on. You know, yeah. it's um, some pretty fair names that go back into those teams as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I personally, I think they do stack up. I think the team mm. would absolutely run it close. Um, I think the golden era that they had in 07 to 11, that team is above both of those other ones, mm. uh, mainly because they got the job done, of course. Yeah. And then 08, they were unbelievable, but just mm. fell short. Um, and uh, 2010, you know, got done in a prelim as well. So they were right there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I personally think uh, this team stacks up against that early 90s team. But mm. I, I think next year they have to have a crack at it. But if they don't get there, or even if they do, that's it. They have to cut it off and go, right, we've got kids, they need to play. Mm. And we've got to be willing to slip down to 13th or whatever it is um, and go hard at kids again. Oh yeah, because they yeah. have to. They have to. Um, if they're going to let one or two of the over thirties go, they got to let them all go because you're not. Gonna, yeah. Like it's either you keep them all or you get rid of them all and start again. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, look, the natural attrition might see a couple depart this year, mm. just through yeah, um, yeah. get getting towards preseason. I just can't can't do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, but equally, um, yeah, I think end of next season there's going to be. Possibly all of them. I won't. Yeah, I doubt it. I think Dangerfield will keep going for another couple of years, but um, and Duncan and these sorts of guys. But uh, you know, it, it's going to come quick when it does come. What about Port Adelaide? Where to for here from here for them? They're they're a bit younger. They're um, I was looking at the statistics before. They're eighth out of the eighteen teams in terms of average age, or they were at the start of season. I mean, they have mm. to be now because of that. So um, yeah, like they're. And when I when I say eighth, once you get down lower than Geelong, it's it's very much similar age profiles for most of the other teams. Yeah. Until you sort of get down to Essendon and a few of the other teams that have done that genuine rebuild and are yeah coming from the bottom. So yeah, I, I well, I as soon as they lost on Saturday night, I thought back to those three years that they finished on top of the ladder back in the early 2000s and mm. then lost in the prelim each year until 2004. I thought, I wonder if this is just the way Port Adelaide have to do it. Mm. You know, they just have to lose a couple mm. before they finally fight the right mix and, and they get there. But I think they can definitely go again. I think they only have to look to their history to show that they're a club that, you know, they don't take defeat well. Now we'll go back and have a look at it, but uh, I think they'll, they'll come back for sure. I can't, I can't see them losing too many games on their late over next year. Mm. Um, and I think it would take a raft of injuries, um, you know, for them to, to battle. Um, and I also think, you know, the likes of Rosie and Butters and Thursman and these sort of guys on Saturday night, you know, a couple of times they just didn't look like they wanted to, hmm. to get involved, put their head over it. Um, and I wonder if that's just to kick up the backside that they, they need to go right. Yeah, we've had a close loss last year in the prelim. We've been a, a smashing... Yeah, it's time we turn that around and just can't wait yeah. for it. So. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. There's I don't think there's many holes in their list. There's nothing there's nothing obvious for me that they need to fill to take that next step. I think they're capable of yeah. being that premiership team if they with the list they have, if they play at their best. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like every team, there's always room for improvement and they could find someone, but um I just think it they didn't perform. And you know, it, it might be right. Like their last lead up to their last um will we'll lead up to their premiership maybe they do need to have this loss to spur them on and remember again how yeah. much they hate losing so that they don't do yeah. it next time yeah 
Um, but absolutely agree with that. I was just thinking, I think the only one area of the team where they might need to look at restocking is key forwards. I don't know they don't grow on trees, but if Charlie Dixon goes down early next year with a season-ending injury, then where do they go from there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they recruited Todd Marshall for that role, but yeah. given, you know, in his first season, he had um, mental health issues. Well, I mean, he, he's, he's dad, his dad, I think no, his dad both died. Dead. Both yeah. of them did, didn't they? I could be wrong there, but certainly there was a death in the family. There was a death in the family, and... Um, and he's had injuries, so he hasn't progressed as fast as they would like him to. But I still think they hope he's going to. Um, yeah, I, to definitely. Well. But they, they, there's still room for someone else up front there as well. Yeah, to, um, there's, there's definitely a bit there with him, that's for sure. Um, I just think Dixon straightens it up beautifully. Yeah. He's a big presence. Doesn't take any shit from mm. defenders hanging around, you know. I'm not saying yeah. he's Barry Hall like, but he certainly creates a presence for his little guys yeah. underneath him as yeah, well. Yeah, so. and it, it couldn't hurt if they're going to re- recruit an established player to go for that key forward because I think Marshall yeah. will get there, but he's a young guy that doesn't have the bulk on him Correct. that you want from that key position forward yet, and that only comes with age and more time in the gym. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and they shored up defensively last year with Alir Alir. He was great. Hmm. He's going to play oh, the same he's role. He's been a revelation for them since coming over and playing. For yeah, them. and they, they got him for peanuts. Season. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, just be interesting if they can prize out somebody mm-hmm. uh, that we haven't really thought of yet, which yeah. obviously we'll probably talk about in the next few weeks. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, they've got Spotlight set three years ago. He's done a pretty good job in the ruck, particularly knowing that Ryder was coming to the end or going to leave. And then they've got mm-hmm. Alir Alir, someone else. You know, their midfield stacks up. And then the only other one that I look at that, you know, well, there's probably two players who you think, how long can they keep going? Is obviously Travis Boak, who's been playing brilliantly for two yeah. years now. Uh, and Robbie Gray, who's had his own health issues, um, but has come back, still playing reasonably well. But yeah. I don't think he's quite the Robbie Gray that we saw five or six years ago either. No, no. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, this flashes of brilliance, but not, not consistently week in week. Yeah. Like, I would highly doubt if he goes on beyond next year, mm. to, be, to be honest. So, yeah, and particularly with Rosie and a couple of others playing a similar role, mm-hmm. I think uh, it might be, you know, thanks, Robbie. Been great. Hopefully we can go out on top for you. But mm-hmm. um, just like Westoff last year, you may not be guaranteed a spot come the end of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. But I think I think that, yeah. well, I think they'll be up there. I've backed them in to be up there more than I will Geelong at this stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, their list is younger and there's more upside for them. They're not coming down the other side and get falling off the cliff. Correct, correct. Mm. So, yeah. Where to for Hawthorne next year? Where to for Hawthorne? That's uh, a very good question. So we're shoring up our off-field. We've got new coach in today. Uh, David Hale's come back to the, mm. the family club from Fremantle. I didn't realise he'd spent six years over there, but uh, so the reports say. Mm. So he's back. Uh, so Sam Mitchell, Adrian Hickmott from West Coast, David Hale, and Chris Newman, I think, is going to be the main coaching staff with Andy Collins back in the fold as the, the overseer of all of that. So yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. On the field, just need to draft. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got three picks inside 24, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but picks 21 and 24, do we try and trade them up to get a higher pick? Mm-hmm. You know, if a club needs points for uh, academy picks and things like that. Uh, I'm not sure whether we would, you know, how far are you really going to get? 
is it better to take a pick 14 or pick 21 and 24 mm-hmm. when you're looking at young players? Um, I think they'll trade out an established star of mm-hmm. some repute to pick up a, another top 10 to 15 pick. Yeah. And I think, yeah, um, if it's someone like Jack Gunston, they're probably not going to do that. They'll probably get a second rounder for him. And then you would look at trading out two of those second round picks up to the, yeah, to get a high first round pick. Who were the best performed of the draft picks for this year? Uh, well, are you counting preseason draft as well? Oh, yeah. But so, all, like, who's come into the team that you're happiest with and think's going to take that next step? Or yeah, who's performed well this year and who's going to perform better next year? Yeah, well, surprisingly, I thought the best draft pick, well, it was our last draft pick from last year, was uh, Tyler Brockman. He's a little small forward. He's got a few tricks. He's got a bit yeah. of spunk about him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's I'm not going to say he's the next Sue or Rioli, but he's certainly got a bit of a bit of that about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we snatched him out from West Coast under West Coast nose. They were into him last year as well. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, he's been from WA. He sticks around for a long time. I was really happy. I mean, he only played six or seven games, mm-hmm. but I thought he was pretty good. Um, our key defender, uh, Granger Barras, you know, is cruel by injury most of the year. Played a handful of games. Looks the goods. Um, so comfortable with that as our, you know, like pick five or pick six, they ended up taking him with the academy picks that came in before. Um, so, yeah, they're the two. But then, obviously, Lockie Bramble, who we got as a preseason selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, oh, I can see his face. Um is Kaczynski going to be your next um, key forward, is he? Is he oh, I think Kaczynski mm-hmm. and Lewis will be the, the two Ps mm-hmm. going forward. I think they showed enough. Well, Kaczynski showed enough this year. Uh, and, and Lewis has showed enough over a couple of years. He's a bit inconsistent at the moment, but also mm-hmm. he's only 21. Yeah. And he was drafted at pick 78 or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so uh, you're not going to come in and, and dominate as a key forward mm-hmm. you know, when you pick 78. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's shown enough to be pretty good. And then you know, we drafted uh, as a rookie a couple of years ago, Emerson Jacker, who looks the looks the goods. I think, yeah. you know, we've got four young key tools, but I think they've got an aggregate age of eighty-two or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so there's a bit of there's a bit of growth in terms of maturity as well as size yeah. there and, and skill development. Yeah, well. that's right. And I think if with our top five pick this year, uh, I, I think you'd want to take the best midfielder available because, mm-hmm. you know. The, the Amiras and the Mitchells and the Wingards and these guys are all 28, 29. So they've got four years left and you'd want someone coming up underneath them. So Yeah, yeah. within a rebuild, they're there to um, guide the younger people Correct. more than win you a premiership now. It's probably not the premiership window just at the moment. No, exactly right. So yeah. and what about the Bombers, the baby Bombers? Look, um, I I was very happy with season... Um, 2021 anyone that follows me on social media knows i like to have a bit of fun and get a bit ahead of myself with um, (laughs) the performance of the bombers when they have a good week but look at the start of the season i expected them to finish probably i expect them to finish in the top end of the bottom half of the ladder so i i um i sort of had them pegged between sort of nine and twelve yeah to make the finals um was you know, it exceeded expectations. I don't think anyone, any of the pros, any of the pundits had had Essendon making the finals at the start of the year. Um, I, and, you know, then coming out early on and being beaten by Hawthorne the way they did in um, 
that first game. Which wasn't was ex- you know, absolutely they, beautiful. Yeah, what, what was it? Six goals up and then losing by a point. That wasn't um, that wasn't the start to the season or an early start to the season. I, I was sort of looking forward to, but it was delightful payback for twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, um, but look, um, you know, th- there's upside there. They um, in terms of improving the list, um, the main thing I'd say would be a key forward. There, uh, you know, Peter Wright. It had some flashes of brilliance this year and for a key forward that we got for peanuts after um after joe decided to move up to brisbane and wasn't it nice joe not even getting in the top 10 for their um best and fairest i saw in the last 24 hours really but, um, despite kicking a goal every game apart mm, from one i think that's yeah. wow mm, but you know like um he peter wright's a great backup ruckman and he you know he presents a target up forward um yeah, yeah. but you know he, they were um, you know, hookers retired now. Um, they they need another key position forward up there. So if I, you know, I trust Adrian Dodoro. I mean, he's been <laughs> his magic this year, and they made the finals when no one else expected it to. But if they can, um, yeah. if they can solidify that up there, I think there's only upside given that a lot of their a lot of the reason they made the finals this year was the young players. If they can, you know, stay fit and play the same way they did this year, I think. Hopefully it won't. We won't be going into seven thousand days without a finals win. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know the Bombers' biggest problem is um, they're they're on the up. But yeah. you look at teams like Melbourne and the Bulldogs, and they're a young list too. Like yeah, you know, they're they're two or three years ahead of Essendon. So I think we can win finals next year. I don't think we can win the premiership though because I think um, I it wouldn't shock me if we're in a Melbourne dynasty period given the the way they've ruthlessly recruited and put their list together up together after yeah. um, losing the preliminary a couple of years ago. They, I, I, yeah. I can't see them losing on the weekend. And if they no. win this time, I can't see them not being thereabouts again next year. Yeah, I agree. I think the only thing that would stop Melbourne next year from being in the upper echelons is themselves. Mm. Yeah. Um, and getting, yeah, getting complacent and things like that. But right. I think uh, the way uh, Max Gorn captains them, I don't think there'll be too much room for, for that. No, um, yeah. Given so. given how he turned himself around from a Big Mac eating smoker on the way yeah. to training to um, the elite leader of a team that's probably going to win the grand final, I think I don't think he's going to let them no um, get get ahead of themselves next year. No, no, that's right. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Just go back to what you're talking about the Bombers. Uh, given Hurley, yeah, he'll be a new recruit next year if he's able to play, which I suspect he will. But given he's also thirty. One thirty-two. Mm. Do you need another key back to come in? Like well, d- no, just to just know, to I, recruit for when he retires. You know, give him a couple yeah. of years in the system to get up to speed, and then. But having said that, I think Ridley has, um, you know, he's he's a little bit older than some of the other young players. He was a fringe forward, but I think he's excelled in that role himself already, and I think he can be the guy that marshals the troop down back. I yeah, I, I suspect Hurley's. You know, whilst he hasn't played, he's been around the club and he's been in Ridley's ear and taught him a lot of these things and yeah. helped accelerate some of those skills. So I don't know that you need someone to replace Hurley. You probably need someone coming in under Ridley almost because I think, um, you know, if Hurley gets back, he'll have a great. I, um, I hope he has a great season, but I think yeah. that's just a for him. It's a point. The point of coming back so he can have another season and not go out the way it is. Like I think it's um, um. But you know, look the the illness and the virus that he suffered from. It's mm. um, it's going to have to still be a big preseason because um, 
last I heard he was 10, 15 kilos lighter than his playing weight. And um, yeah, you're not necessarily going to be able to come back as a, the same weight as a skinny 18 year old and play <laughs> the same way you had when you started your career. Yeah, correct. Well, yeah, you know, I, he may I, also come back and do what um, Hooker did and go up forward. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, but I just wonder with the Bombers, uh, yeah, who's their player who can play on the big, the big key forwards, the Dixons mm-hmm. and the Hawkins and these kind of guys who are massive, massive monsters. Yeah, because I don't think Ridley's that guy. Um, oh, he'd I, have to. Yeah, he'd have to put some bulk on to yeah. really muscle them. But you know, we were competitive against those teams this year we I, like we didn't win the games but we were still competitive yeah. and that was him down there um, yeah marshalling it and you know that that becomes a strategy game if it's got to be the third man up so you know, it's um you, you you're you're, eye, you're eyeing off who the big forward is and yeah he gets in there and muscles it and it's the third player that comes in that does the spoil or hopefully takes them up yeah you're right i think that's where the team defense certainly comes comes mm-hmm. into a play more so in the last couple of years than it has probably ever yeah, we've seen de- team defenses really take precedence over the last fifteen years, but um, I think when you're a man down or a couple of men down, that's that's when it's got to be really at its peak in terms of the communication and the right. I'm just gonna you know try and get under this guy's armpit and move him off the ball, and you come over the top kind of thing. So mm. yeah, yeah. So, but I, I agree with you. I think the Bombers should be aiming for a top six position. Yeah, yeah. I mean to lose to the Bulldogs in a elimination final. There's no disgrace given what the Bulldogs have done since hmm. that and what they did um, throughout the year. Although, oh, yeah, we, we were lucky a couple of yeah. weeks prior when we beat them that they were off the boil. And, yeah, yeah. And then two weeks later in the elimination final, it showed how good their team actually was. And, yeah. you know, we, pl- we played them back in the form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But no, uh, I think I agree. I think you should be aiming for a top six position next year. Mm. You know, there's going to be a question mark over some of the young kids and whether they get second year blues and all this sort of stuff. But um, I genuinely think these days, most clubs are pretty good at handling that. Mm, it's just yeah, the, whether, the support staff around yeah, them to make sure that doesn't happen. That's right. And, and mm. you know, you got people like who've made massive steps this year, like Parrish has become a massive, he's a gun, mm. um, as he was touted to be when he got drafted. And, you know, um, Merritt's still playing well in the middle. And these sort of guys still command a lot of respect. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, and and you know, McGrath missed most of the season. Him coming, yeah, that's into true. The midfield as well is going to, yeah, be or he can play off half back if he needs to. He's got mm. the versatility to do that. So, yeah, yeah. No, I like where the Bombers are at. Pains me to say. So, <laughs> who's going to win the brown? <laughs> who's going to win the brownlow? Oh, brownlow for me. Uh, I genuinely think it's between Oliver Petrarca, Bontempelli, and McRae. Mm. And then, of course, all those four guys are going to have people stealing votes off them. Yeah. Um, not, not only off each other, but then you've also got other guys who chime in with, with big games at certain times, like Gorn, obviously. Mm. You know, big eye-catching games too. So, um, Trelaw played reasonably well in a couple of games before he got injured um, and these sort of guys. So, um, But if I had to put money on it, I think I'm going Petrarca. Um, just because he's very eye-catching when he gets the footy. Mm. Kicks it long way, kicks goals, is around the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that that's where my money's going. But you don't, uh, think, Ollie, you don't think Ollie Wines is um, a chance? I, I, I definitely, I think he's the guy who will take advantage of potentially other, others having votes stolen off them. Mm. You know, he could sweep in with, uh, you know, let's say 28, 30 votes, and these other guys are all bunched up on 23. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, he's definitely worth a couple of dollars as well, I think. So. 
Yeah, I, I think um, just because, you know, he he's always there, he's always gathering possessions. And like you said, the other guys in the champion teams have got other people stealing votes off them at some of the season. Like, I I, I genuinely think that um, Clayton Oliver's been the standout player all season, but he's been playing in a team where some games he's been a standout, but there's also been other players that have had equally thrilling performances. So it depends where the umpires have yeah. put those votes in those games as to whether it's Oliver or Wines for me. Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, Melbourne haven't had a key forward that's dominated this year. Mm-hmm. So there's not going to be games where someone's kicked, you know, in the season, obviously, six or seven goals yeah. that's automatically eye-catching. Mm-hmm. You know, they're probably thinking the lucky stars that Max Bourne's prelim final doesn't count for votes because <laughs> that's the kind of game yeah. obviously gets three mm-hmm. votes. Uh, yeah, but even guys like Josh Bruce at the Bulldogs kicking 10 goals early in the year mm. against the Kangaroos, you know, that should get three votes. He'd be stiff not yeah. to. I mean, you've got yeah. a few cheap, cheapies at the end, but yeah, 10 when, goals is 10 goals. When so. the Melbournes spent most of their season with Fritch as their main goal, well, he yeah. was the main goal scorer, but, you know, that, and there's a few games he had three or four goals, but there was none where he was. Well, actually, sort of he did kick seven against the Crows. So, um, but even still, I mean, that's one game. Mm. So, whereas the Bulldogs have had a few where they've got uh, different players yeah. coming up. So, look, all roads could lead to Ollie Wines mm. because of that. Yeah, you know, I think the other person to still votes of Ollie Wines might well be Travis Spoke, but as brilliant as he was, I don't think he was as brilliant as he was last year yeah. where he got mm. yeah, second to Lockie Neal. So, um, yeah, I don't think he'll be as high up the, the boards as he was. So, may well be that Ollie Wines mm. uh, sweeps through off the back of... No one taking those votes. It's going to be odd watching it on a Sunday night, though. It's a, it will. You know, it, it's a bit yeah, I, not sure I like it. I didn't yeah. like last year's Brownlow, but we all know why that was a bit yeah. off, shall we yeah. say. I think Max, War- Max Gordon came out with the quote saying, because that was pretty grim, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and all the guys in mm. Melbourne sitting around in masks. In masks on, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But, mm. um, and Lockie, Lockie Neal having to present the Brownlow to himself. Mm. I mean, really, at the time, Brisbane was COVID-free and, they yeah, just sure played football against each other. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Even if it was one of his teammates or something to, mm. yeah. Um, so I think that, yeah, I don't know it's about the look, but that looked pretty stupid. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, but that's, it's been like that for the last couple of years, you know, they played a game of football and then put their masks on before they sing the song. It's like, yeah, oh, it's crazy, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely crazy. So yeah. um, that is the time, mm. I suppose. So. Before we end it, um, it we've just finished the preliminary final weekend. What, what's what's your favourite preliminary final ever? Oh well, I've been blessed, as we talked about earlier, supporting a club that has made a lot of prelim finals. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to say, not by much, but my favourite prelim is the 2013 game against Geelong. I think I was lucky enough to be there with friends, you know, who. Were, uh, been going to the footy for 30 years with each other since we were little kids. Uh, so that made it special in its own way. You know, there's 87,000 people there. Uh, obviously, Hawthorne hadn't beaten Geelong in 13 matches. I think, you know, nine or 10 out of those 13 were by less than a kick, mm. uh, including, you know, Hawkins kicking one after the siren. Uh, when Geelong got out to 50 points and we reeled them in and then they kicked the car to be the year before. So, um, and I think the fact that, you know, Geelong got out to 20 points at three-quarter time 
and you think, well, we're no chance. You know, they're, they're a good team. They'll, they'll hold yeah. off. Mm. And then you think, well, actually, we're a good team too. We lost three games for the year, two against Geelong. But, you know, there's every chance it's going to be number three. So to, to win that was just super special. Mm. Um, and I can't lie, I've watched it probably a hundred times. <laughs> uh, look, I, I'm an MCC member. I was there. It's a great, it was a great game, but I can't say that it's my favourite um, Plymouth final. As an Essendon supporter, it's hard to go past 1993. Um, you know, what about 99? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. It's the first episode and you're already digging in about the 1999 preliminary final. Well, this is the first of many, Hamish. I have a reputation for lording it over people. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to many a uh, Hawthorne versus Essendon battle um, oh, looking forward through to some it. of these episodes. But yeah, no, 93, I mean, you know, seven goals down at halftime. Um, you know, we, we finished on top of the ladder for the um, regular season and Adelaide had finished fifth. So everyone thought Essendon was going to win the game. But, you know, you get to halftime and you think, oh, it's over. Should we go home now? But not, not that I ever go home early, but you, you start no. thinking these things when you're seven goals down. Yes. But, you know... Um, Come out, you have, um, you know, Buick ends up kicking six goals for the game. Um, Wanganeen, who ended up, who won the Brownlow only a couple of days later, had, um, I think it was something like 30 possessions. So, yeah, know, that, that comeback in the second half. And again, it was a similar crowd to um, the one you mentioned, 80, 90,000 people there. And given that it was in Melbourne, it was mostly Essendon supporters. So, from a yeah. very quiet first half through to that second half, it was, um, very exciting at the end there. And obviously we went through and um, won the following week as well and beat Carlton. It's always good to beat Carlton. And, um, <laughs> Especially it, uh, after yeah. they knocked you off a couple of weeks before. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And um, it looked, it was the second grand final I'd been to. I, I was there in 1990 when we lost to Collingwood Ooh. and um, I cried, but, you know, very excited um, as a young boy, just, um, you know, 11, 12 years old, a couple of weeks later, um, you know, a couple of years later to win that grand final. It was a um, very special couple of weeks. Yeah. No, I must say, I was lucky enough to be there that day too with uh, one of my best mates. And, uh, yeah, we have a catalogue of great finals, uh, great games that we've been to over the, the journey. And uh, that's right up there. Every time delivery final weekend comes around, that gets a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, do you remember when we were at the G-Bolt? Yeah, of course. Yeah, how could we forget? So, uh, yeah. It was a ripping game of football. Um, I, just remember, I think I remember Tim Watson uh, on the radio, you know, as part of his SEN gig, saying one day that you know, Kevin Shee always had a sign up. The last thing he saw before he went out was just win the ball. Mm. And I, I think it was that game. He said that message was just ran home at halftime. Just win the ball. Yeah. And yeah. EA Sheedy was famous for throwing the magnets around and everything as well. Uh, yeah. But if you win the ball, half the battle so and yeah. all the players have said that um his speech that day like no one's really said um or that i've seen in a lot of articles about no one's really said what he said but they yeah. said that, that it was uh, fairly inspiring and obviously it did turn them around and they came back yeah. and won a game that sort of certainly no one at the ground expected them to win given where they were at, at half time oh no no way because that was the end margin 11 points or 12 points mm-hmm. or something they've effectively it's 50 it's a nine goal turnaround effectively yeah. so yeah, and I just remember Adelaide just looking shell-shocked. Yeah, and they had a reasonably young team. Uh, you know, Rashudo was only 18 years mm. of age, these sort of guys. Obviously, it's their third season in the competition. Mm. Uh, but, geez, you get up by seven goals in the prelim final. You shouldn't be losing from there. You shouldn't be losing from there, no. <laughs> but, you know, look, um, they were a team on the way up, and um, they yeah. had their success a few years later. So they Correct. Uh, 
they 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 didn't let it get to them. They sort of spurred them on to future success. Yeah, and they were able to add a few pieces to the puzzle. Obviously, mm. Blighty in the coaching box, McLeod off a half bat flank mm. uh, for those early years of his career, um, and through the middle as well, yeah. uh, and a few other few others that came through. Mm. I think I saw that Simon Goodwin played his tenth game in the '97 Premiership. Yeah. yeah, so those sort of guys come through, and yeah, as you say, mm. say their success. But no, that's that's uh, it's a pretty good wrap of favourite prelims. They're two pretty awesome games. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, that's been the first episode of the Line in the Sand podcast. Um, you will have found this on one of your favourite platforms. If you do like what you've listened to, please make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And once we work out what we're going to talk about next week, we'll um, be back with another recording and hopefully you'll come back and listen again. Yeah, we'll look forward to it. Brownlow Medal for sure. Absolutely. Thanks, mate.